Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Flow Rising Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Megan. And today I am excited to be joined by Rachel. We are going to talk all things healing and relationship and, you know, all the great stuff that she's up to today. So first off, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hello. So happy to be here with you, Megan. Thanks That's for inviting me. <laughs> so I always do announce, you know, yes, Rachel is actually across the pond. So yes. I think you are, are you in the UK? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah, so I'm in London. I was like, when do I drop the fact that I'm actually British and people mean to turn it up a little bit just to <laughs> understand. I will try and articulate all my letters. It's, as much as possible. <laughs> I, I love having this show because I get to connect with people from all over the world from because I'm in Colorado and I'm like, and I would not, if in any other iteration, I would not connect with you. And so I love it um, that, yeah, I get to. But I always announce that to people, especially because we get to the end and we talk about connecting. And so people are like, oh, where are you? And I no. never make an assumption that just because you have an accent means that's where you live. <laughs> we all are mobile exactly especially like you said after the pandemic as well like things oh. have changed like yep. so love that yep so let's start with where we do every episode what are you up to today share with us your business your you know who you support the types of you know fun creative stuff that you're doing right now in the world Awesome. So I'm a relationship and boundaries coach. I'm also trained as a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner. So my mission, I love calling it a mission because it really feels like my soul's purpose is to help successful women. So be it female entrepreneurs or corporate women replicate the success that they've had in their love lives, or I should say in their professional lives, in their love lives. So that seems to be a really big thing at the moment because as we heal from a lot of patriarchal wounds that have been in our society for forever, women are really starting to wake up and think, okay, so I've got everything, you know, I've, I've put on my more masculine uh, trousers in order to make things happen for myself, but I still want love. Like, how do I make that fit in with all of this energy that I've, you know, is now my dominant energy. Um, and so that means working with women who some of the times they've, some have never been in a relationship before. Some have um, been in relationships that haven't really lasted long or they weren't um, the quality that they were looking for. Some have been in really toxic relationships. So it's helping them through that and helping them see that actually with the right plan and the right attitude and a change of mindset and uh, a much more improved relationship with love, they can actually have it all. Oh, I love that. I think it's so important. You know, we'll get to your story as to how you landed here, but I think... Mm -hmm. For me, I think the one thing that you know, everyone talks about getting out of the bad relationship or, you know, going for your career or, you know, it, but we don't talk about, okay, so what happens after the bad relationship or what happens when I'm like, I, I want, I want to be softer and more feminine or, you know, lean into that loving relationship. But like you said, I am stuck in my masculine of just do and perform and be and outward Mm. And it, you know, and, and we, it's just so challenging for a lot of women. I mean, regardless of how you get there, yes. you should just be like, no, I really, really want this, but I don't know how. Yes. Yeah. I love that you said want and rather than need, because that's a really big difference. Mm -hmm. Like I don't um, target women who are like, I need this. It's like, no one needs this. Like no one needs the relationship, but you desire it. And that's where, yeah. that's the point where I start working with clients. So. Well, and I also think if we're in that I need it stage, there's something in us that needs work first. There's exactly. that, mm, you know, I always, I, I've, 
I feel like I got super fortunate to meet my current husband when I did. It was only a couple of years out of my um, my abusive marriage. But it was at a, at a point in time where I was really, really, really focused on, I mean, it was 2020 into 2021. So I didn't have anything else to do but work on myself. <laughs> you know? But I was really more focusing on like breaking that codependent mindset of, mm. I don't need a man to fulfill me. I don't need a relationship to fulfill me. However, I believe that, you know, I deserve a relationship. I can be in a relationship. It's going to help me heal in a relationship. Um, and yeah. And a lot of it was the wording stuff. Just, I don't need it. I want it. I desire it. You know, yes. and then we manifested as soon as I got away from the, oh, I'm not okay without it. Yeah. Yes. I love that. And you know, there's something I've said on social media before. It's like, um, with men, obviously we're very different from men, but one thing that they do get very well is picking up intuitively on that needy codependent energy. Like they may not remember birthdays or anniversaries, but as soon as they, oh, another woman that's interested in them has that as an overwhelming energy within them, they could be across the world. They will feel that it's, it's a crazy yeah. phenomenon, but it's one of their special talents, I think. Um, and yeah. so it's our, it's our duty. And, you know, not only so that we don't put them off, but also, you know, why would you want to be in a state of need? That means that without them, you're not whole. And, you know, we want to be self-sustaining, sovereign human beings on our own. Um, otherwise, how can we truly love someone 100% and give them our, our all? Oh, it's so true. Like that, you know, it, it seems corny. It seems cheesy. Work on yourself first and find self-love. And you don't have to be self-loved or somewhere special before someone special can come in. But you do, because what happens if you don't is then all of a sudden, just back in that cycle again. You're just, oh, yeah. I'm going to give it all and I get lost. And then you get tit for tat and nitpicking and all the things that just tear relationships apart. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I've had to really focus on that mindset a lot in my my current marriage because I'm like, oh, nope. Is that necessary for me to sit here? Is he really doing that? Like, nope. Mm -hmm. Or am I just sitting here in a space going, huh, maybe I need to love on something. What's showing up? Yes. And, and if you don't have that before you get into those relationships, you just, you could mess up a really great relationship unintentionally. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So share with us a little bit. I mean, I don't think you get into a relationship being a relationship and boundaries coach without having have learned some healthy relationship and boundary rules yourself. Share with yeah. us just a little bit about your own journey to becoming um, this iteration of who you are in, in your professional life. Yeah, sure. So um, if you're watching the video, but you're like, wow, she's super smiley. I get this all the time. Like when I finally do tell my story, it confused phases um, because I didn't have the easiest childhood growing up. I was sexually assaulted at a really young age. And that was really difficult because my father wasn't in my home. He had left my mother when I was about four. And so they were co-parenting. Uh, he was doing so at a distance, co-parenting, um, buying me, shop going shopping with me when I <laughs> needed him and then disappearing. Um, so it was a really like, estranged I feel relationship from the get-go um and then became even more so um after I became 18 so when I turned 18 that was the last time I saw him I'm now 34 mm. so you can imagine what that's like you know dealing with the first wound of assault and you know dealing with my body and my sexuality my sensuality and also my relationship with men in general I've had two men yeah. who were supposed to be people I could trust 
disappoint me and fail me and and be like not really give me what I needed emotionally or support me in that way so it was there was a lot of work I had to do um and normally um or I could I should say maybe not normally but frequently um because everyone's case is different when uh, a woman uh, like myself has experienced sexual assault at such a young age there are kind of two avenues I see frequently um, happen. So you're either very promiscuous or you're the extreme opposite and you kind of avoid Mm -hmm. intimacy at all costs. And so I was the first one, I'm not going to lie. I really loved men for the way that they, like they almost clarified what I believed about myself. So so for such Mm -hmm. a long time, I believed my body was this thing that I could use to get their attention, you know, be in relationships with them. It was very much body first, sexuality first. Um, and so the men I attracted were just a replica of how I felt about myself, right? It was, I didn't have a proper male friend that I could say didn't secretly want to sleep with me or didn't secretly want to be in a relationship with me for most of my twenties. Um, I remember when I first got my first male friend like that, I was just like, wow, you really like me as a friend, like for me. Um, and ironically, that was parallel to my own healing. Like that's when I started looking at myself way more than a, a sexy being. It's like, actually, you know, you're intelligent, you're soulful, you've got all of these other qualities that anyone who wants to be in a relationship with you would be lucky to have, you know, and lucky to be with you. Um, so that took a really long time. And, and in that process, I was attracting a lot of narcissistic men, as you can imagine, um, because you become this this weekend and they just see you and they're like "Uh uh-huh weak soul let me just get in there and feed off her um and so it landed me in some dangerous situations like I remember in my late teens going out with someone who put a gun to my head and he thought that was hilarious and um can I, can I say that also on oh, the show? Of course, this is okay. an adult show, yeah. Okay, cool. There is no topic off limits on this show, absolutely, cool. yeah. So, so he, oh my God, you know, like, again, like you're attracted to these men that aren't good for you because it just represents how much you don't love yourself. Like he obviously was awful for me. Um, and, you know, that kind of situation or another situation where it was, you know, polyamory is very much um, respected now. But, um, you know, back in the day, oh, do you know what? I think I wouldn't even glamorize as polyamory. I think he was just playing the field because- He was polyamory, just a player, yeah. Yeah, because polyamory is about respect and love and wanting to nurture each other. And he was not, it was all about, him we had no benefit whatsoever so it was um a situation where i had accepted that this guy had at least four other women um you know it's just really crazy scenarios that you look back and you're like how the hell was i okay with that but i was really looking for men to love me on behalf of me rather than in parallel with me and that's so dangerous. That's so much power to give someone else, particularly if they're unhealed and they're attracted to you because of your weakness and your wounds. Um, so that's where that came about. And I get to so what we're 2024. So 10 years ago, this is when the healing journey really began. And mm-hmm. for anyone who's been on something similar, you can res- resonate and you'll relate when I say it was like a avalanche. Like it was just one little thing. Like someone was like, you should go on this retreat. And then it was like snowball, boom, chakras, meditation. You're doing this, you're healing. And it was like this purging of all of this stuff. Attempt to heal myself was moving to Spain after I got my degree. Um, And as some of you may know, like if you try and leave a country and you've just got unfinished business in your home country, the problems come in the suitcase. Yeah, they follow. They follow you. 
Right. And so that's what happened. Um, and really, I needed to face the fact that this sexual assault is something I deeply needed to heal. I'd healed layers, yeah. you know, to the point where I was functional. Um, but there was so much anger, you know, I'd have really angry outbursts because mm-hmm. it, I, I wasn't done, you know, the work wasn't done. Um, you know, when I would cry with men, for example, it was very clear that my father wound was being triggered over and over again Mm -hmm. like there was just so much that I needed to do um so coming back home to the UK you know going on these retreats really sparked that and you know really made me have a hyper focus on my mindset um and what I believed like what could be possible when it came to love for me um Mm -hmm. and making the decision like okay just because I've grown up in the certain way does that mean that that's what I'm ever going to experience am I never going to experience this fulfilling love um and that changing point was having that decision like actually no fuck that I'm gonna have it all and I'm gonna make the change and I'm gonna do what seems impossible but I'm gonna make it possible um and I never forget like my first um psychotherapist she was like, I'm surprised you even have this capacity for love um, from what you've been through. And it's, it's not because I'm special. It's not because of any kind of magic potion. It's a decision. It's a decision to love and love big every day. That is a, that is a huge point to make Mm because I hear it all the time. People say that, you know, you went from relationship to relationship to relationship. I stayed in one for 18 years. It doesn't matter. Same thing. I mm-hmm. see because he fulfilled my need to hate myself. He fulfilled mm. my father wounds. He fulfilled my mother wounds. He fulfilled the story I had that I wasn't lovable. Even though exactly. here I am on paper being perfect, right? Mm. And then it was, yeah. And so, yeah, that, that it, it's just so interesting how we, we just think, nope, nope. I'm not worth it. And I'm just going to stick and stay. And then all of a sudden (laughs) you said about the avalanche. Oh my gosh. Like once that, so it was funny today, today marks five years to the date that I told him I want out. Yes. We want to give you a pause right now. Like memory pops up on Facebook. And it's funny how at the time I didn't realize like how important. And it's funny because it's a picture of my dog sitting in my car like in the driver's seat. And it's a, it's a funny little cute picture, but I know we were on our way to a staycation because he was about to be served with divorce papers. And oh, I shit. was, I was getting myself safe and I know what that picture is and I know it, but you look mm. at the picture and you're like, how is that? A, and I'm like, no, my freedom date. Yes. But I think back to that time five years ago and, oh my gosh, all the things that I didn't, didn't understand just didn't even know we're coming and understand. And yeah, but no, I do. I love what you were talking about, how it's just like, there's so many layers of things to heal. Yes. There's so many things. It's, it's a lifelong journey, I think, Um, you know, because I know, uh, you know, regardless of whether you did experience assault or if it's uh, just a very big mother or father wound, whatever the wound is, is a lifelong sentence, you know? Um, and so knowing that, I think that just gives us a lot of compassion um, for ourselves and a lot of grace that, okay, this is really hard. Like this is going to be my thing until the day I die. And that's okay. You know, I can just learn to master a piece of it every single day. And sometimes it won't be perfect. Sometimes there'll be 
backward steps or contrast as uh, I love Abraham Hicks always. No, it's not Abraham. It's the wife. What's her name? Esther. Esther. Yeah. Esther. I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, she's like, it's contrast. And in life, there will always be contrast, right? Contrast being like when, you know, it feels so great and like maybe you're having a bit of a down day, but that's part of the journey. And um, you get to transform that into something awesome. You get to make it a gift if you want it to. Well, and I love that. And you mentioned earlier that it's a choice and it really is. Yeah. Choosing to be loving now, choosing Mm. to continue the healing, choosing to get in and out of relationships when you've had bad ones. Cause no, yeah. nobody talks about how hard the first healthy relationship is the, like your yes. friend that you mentioned, how, yes. how amazingly challenging was that? Cause everything yes. felt weird. And you're like, why are you not doing the thing that everyone else? Why? Yes. Did I do something wrong. And then they're like, no, you're doing something right. I adore you. You're mm. a beautiful human. All the positive things. And you're like, why aren't you screaming at me? Like yes. everyone else yelled at me. Everyone else abused me. What is going on? That yeah. was the heart. Like my husband's that for me now. It's so challenging. I agree. I remember like revealing all of these, like the shadow parts of myself. And, um, you know, I feel when you're so used to being in toxic dynamics and then you're with someone who's much healthier for you. And of course, like your worst side comes out. We all have it. We're all human. And you kind of like mentally turn around like, oh, you still like me? Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So um, yeah, that's always like a surprise and, and you kind of sp- spend a lot of the relationship before that time comes out so usually they won't see it if you're in the honeymoon phase but when they like before that you're like oh god they're gonna see the real me i hope they don't see the real me and you do everything you can so that they can't and then she shows up (laughs) yeah 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 and it's actually starting to be safe i never forget the first time that it showed up with my husband and he's like and he did he put up the most amazing, beautiful example of how to put up a boundary. He goes, I understand where this is coming from and Mm. you are not allowed to treat me that way. I I am not here for you to take it out on me. I will hold you. I will love you. I will give you the space, but you won't do this to me. Mm. And he said, you won't do it again. And of course, yes, I've done it again. And yes, I've done it again. He said the most beautiful thing, we, we play a couples game. It's one of those card games. We ask questions. Love mm-hmm. those things. I love those. Yeah. And uh, the question was, what turns you on the most about me? And I was like thinking it was physical, right? Back to my twenties, right? The, oh, the physical, the physical. He's like, watching you heal is the sexiest thing about you. And I was like, oh, my God. oh I love you. <laughs> beautiful. That's so gorgeous. Yeah. And he means it. And that's. And I share that with people because I'm like, look, there is life after, there is healthy after. Yeah. And you still have to be willing to do all that hard stuff and face that. Like you said, you look at yeah. you look at your ugly and you're like, you are not yes. gonna like this. And they go, yes. I still love you. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it. Like I I'm not gonna take it, but I still Yes. I think another part of my journey, like I, not many people talk about this. I haven't heard anyone talk about it because 
there are so many people that's, that are just like, okay, so I've got the healthy relationship and then it ends there. But once you're on this growth cycle, you continue to grow and there are going to be really beautiful soulmates that you meet plural up because I don't believe in one soulmate. Um, maybe someone will stay with one person for the rest of their life. That's fine. But it doesn't mean that there's only one available. Um, and just depending on the circumstances and what's right for you in your path, you may have several soulmates. You may have two, you may have one. Um, but the tricky part is when you get to a point where you are healing and up leveling, because once you up level, you know, from a wound space and the, your capacity to love, this will reflect in all areas of your life. So don't be surprised if you then want to birth what you've always wanted to birth into the world, be it a book, a podcast or a business or whatever it is. And this requires a new version of you with a lot more confidence and a lot more self-love that even when you're with someone so beautiful you may also outgrow them. And that is okay because so many people fall into this guilt of, oh my gosh, well, that means that I'm still that broken girl who can't accept love. No, you can accept love. In fact, you're loving yourself to such a new level now that it's you that's the most important. You know, your value doesn't come from your relationship status. It comes from you being able to be sustained at the level that you are and the version that you are. Mm -hmm. um, and I just haven't had a lot of people talk about that. It's very much like, and the end. And it's like, there's the end. So actually, like, you know, you yep. keep growing. And, um, you know, as it's just something that I've accepted myself and accepted and helped mm -hmm. other clients accept as well. Like, this is being in love and being in a relationship, it's all about your soul's journey, you know, on the planet. So embrace it, embrace the changes, embrace the big loves that come, the more that you give yourself that love. And yeah, it's, it's exciting. You know, once you let it in, it's I like, and I'm sure you would agree, like once you've let a big love in, that's your standard now. So it's yeah. only up from there, you know? Yeah. And it, you, I love what you said that we can have multiple soul connections. That's what mm -hmm. I always talk about. My husband is one, my dogs, mm -hmm. my, my dog, one of my dogs, cause two were his and one was mine, but she got me through some really dark days. Yeah. Is she trained for that? No. Did she have any special? No, but she mm -hmm. is an empathic soul that was brought to me because she was part of my healing journey. Exactly. Friends, friends can be so it's not we always yes. think about a soulmate being this romantic intimate relationship but mm -hmm. it isn't always that there's some really great friends and mentors that and again ebb and flow and come and go and sometimes they're you know they're that friend that you see every six months and you just that's you connect when you need to yes and yeah. then sometimes they are the day-to-day -day person and sometimes like you said they do stay and you do and but i think my husband and i talk about this a lot that if we ever found ourselves growing in different directions, what would we do? Mm. His answer is always beautiful to me. Of course, my, my soul is like, no, I'm still kind of in that. No, I don't want that. And he's, he's always like, look, if we grew in different directions, that doesn't mean that he's like, maybe this iteration of us would stop being this iteration, but it doesn't mean we don't have to, that we can't be together or we of can't course. still know each other or we can't find, a, you know, he's like, that's growth. And, and I think that's the important piece is as you start growing, as you start healing, you're attracting people who are doing the same. Exactly, 100%. Yeah, it's all yes. that reflection. Like you said, you were, you were attracting men that reflected that that sex forward piece of you. And then you started exactly. changing and you're like, now I'm attracting um, different. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and you start to like radiate, you know, there's another thing again, I teach about being the high value man magnet with clients is it's nothing to do 
with what you think it is. You know, it's nothing to do with the stereotypical tick box, what makes a beautiful woman, whatever the hell that is, you know, whatever the hell is supposed to be the standard because energetically that is the first part you need to start at there are women all over the world who don't fit the paradigm of super skinny or super this or super that and they walk into a room and they're electric and it's all an energy and it's all like with their belief systems and what they believe that's possible for them that's what makes them irresistible um and knowing as well what male psychology is so you know again in that healing period i was really learning about men and how to see men from their soul you know everyone has their own deep soul everyone is unique um you know a really big thing for me is getting away from the generalizations of like men are this men are that and obviously as human beings we do slip into that and definitely as women we 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 have the habit of having another one we're like oh my god men but it's about like retract you know correcting yourself from time to time a bit like with money you know if you want to heal your money mindset you can't be talking about how hard money is you know and there's a really big link between love and money you know that being one example so um you know just just rewiring that like actually men are awesome you know they're they're different from us but it doesn't mean that they're wrong it doesn't mean that they're bad it doesn't mean they're the enemy or something we have to like begrudgingly work with they're different as we are different um there was someone that i spoke to yesterday who's from france and i love speaking to people from all different countries and uh i said women are so simple and he just laughed and he's like do you coach men and i was like i don't (laughs) yeah I, d- I don't, I don't in terms of my marketing, like the marketing is all for women. Yeah. If your man wanted me to coach him, if any listening, I'm happy to speak with you and let's see if it's a fit. But um, like predominantly the marketing is all for women looking for men. And he was just like, do you know how much you could teach men about women? And I said, well, um, you know, and he said, what do, what do you guys want? And I was like, well, I feel like we're quite simple. Um, what starts to irritate us is when there are micro breakages in trust that you guys, you know, you'll look for a short-term solution. Like for example, um, this is a perfect example. I had a friend who was supposed to call a girl he was seeing that night. He was actually having dinner with me and um, he knew he was gonna go out with his friends afterwards. And he said, I'll call you later. I said, why did you say that to her? You know, it's 11 o'clock and your friends just said, come to Shoreditch, which is like a party area. Mm -hmm. And, he just got very silent. And then as I kept talking, you could just see his soul leave his body. And he's like, I'm not listening to her anymore. And I was like, like, why? And he's like, oh, well, I just, it's the early stages. And I don't, I don't really feel the obligation to tell her every single thing and blah, 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 which is interesting. Um, But I gave him that example. And I said, do you see like now that's a micro like break in trust. Right. And then if there are, in, instead of just telling her, like, I'm not going to be available for the rest of the day because I'm busy, which would have actually developed more trust. Mm-hmm. He's gone for the short term solution of this will make her happy for now that I'm going to call her later. And and when you have multiple ver- multiple examples of that, then, yeah, we start to get angry. And then you might get the Bible length WhatsApp message saying you're this, you're that, you're this, you're blocked. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we are I feel like we as much as we learn about male psychology, men can also learn about our psychology yeah. as well. But it is that acceptance of, you know, we're both right. We're just living in a different way, but it can be learned. Well, and my husband says it's the macro and the micro. The men live in the macro world. It's the big picture. 
He Ooh. was your friend in that example was thinking about the big picture of I'm just trying to make her happy so that we can continue possibly seeing each other. Big picture. Her mind, and you and I know this, she sat by that phone all night. She turned her ringer on. She made sure she had it by her bed and it was plugged in. If it was 2 a.m., she was ready. And she woke up the next day so disappointed that he didn't call. Yeah. So yeah. disappointed. And then yeah. in the back of her brain, she's justifying it. Yeah. It was okay. He forgot it. And you know what? That's not, and again, that's not fair either way. Yeah. Like yeah. I would do it to my current, my husband, right? I would do it where I was sitting all day long. I've never been a stay-at-home human until now, mm. which is a huge blessing because it actually gives me ch the chance to heal because mm. I have the space. I just have the time mm. and the space. But something simple would happen and my brain would travel down a path that wasn't true at all. Like there was no evidence that this was happening. Speaking to another woman, for example, let's just use that one, right? But my brain in its I'm not safe trying to justify this new relationship way would spend hours spiraling. He would mm -hmm. come home. None of it's true. It's just like waking up from a dream and then all of a sudden you're yelling at your partner because they did something in a dream. I would do that to him. And he'd be yeah. like, did I do something? And then we'd be in a, you know, a disconnection for the night because I didn't share with him. Finally learned my head's been in a trashy space all day. I'm pretty sure this isn't true. And right now I may not trust anything you say. So could we go mm. blow by blow by your day? Could you hand me your phone? He does that to me all the time now. Here, huh. like I have the password to his phone. He asks me to get in on all the time. He has nothing to hide from me. Mm. If, you know, if, if he notices that I'm paying attention because Facebook's been dinging a lot, he's like, it's that stupid group chat thing, honey. Here, look. Yeah. But it's true how we do it back and forth to each other. Women do the micro. We take yeah. every little thing. Men, it's the big giant, you know. And that's ocean. why. Go ahead. Yes. Man. Someone was like, um, uh, where did I see it? I think it was, I think it was like a reel or someone. Someone was like, men don't, will be less likely to leave a woman because all these little micro things are not like you've just said, like the big picture they're looking at actually on a grand scheme of things things are great even if there are micro issues here and there so hmm. and i think the one thing that women can do and this is something i am just leaning into in my current relationship is just saying okay you're gonna tell me and i do i go honey you're gonna tell me this is no big deal but i'm telling you to me this has been a big deal all day and he looks at me and he laughs and I'm like, and he never minimizes. Like he's learned, he goes, oh, baby, no, like, or whatever. Or he'll laugh. And then we find a way to laugh at it and make, make it a joke. And not that he's trivializing what was happening in my brain, but he just gives me the space to be like, this is what's happening. Because it happens whether, you know, we intend it or not. It's that, but I think that's the other thing that, people do not talk about healthy relationships in this regard. Mm. They're not perfect. There no. will be rifts. It's got nothing to do with the fracture. It has everything to do with how do you repair? Yes. How do you go? How quickly do you do it? I, you know, there's a, a unspoken rule in my house. We do not go bed to bed angry with each other. Good. Yeah. It doesn't matter if we sit and hash it out. We never said that to each other, but it's just how we both are as humans. Yes. You know, how quickly, you know, we'll be on a walk with each other. I remember this one. And he is literally a half a mile behind me because I have just turned on the speed demon. I am mad and I am going. And he literally ran to catch up with me. 
And then and he gets to me and the first thing out of his mouth was, I'm sorry. I didn't intend it to come out that way. And I know that it did. And I know that it hurts you. I'm sorry. And he meant I it. That. I love that. There was no, and that I think that's the piece of healthy relationships that were like, oh, wait, we're going to do the, this because we're human. Yes. Friendships, work relationships, you're going to break. Yes. But how quickly do you come back and how effectively? That's yeah. really the sign of, of, of health and growth. I think you're 100% correct. I think like, um, you know, the lot of women I speak to, the things they're looking for are, which, you know, they're not necessarily not important, but I, it's not very common that I hear about conflict resolution and being a master at it. Um, it's normally, you know, I want them to be on the same level, um, you know, things about um, emotional safety, which is all valid. Everything is valid. But the conflict resolution piece is really important because it's important to be with someone who doesn't sit in their ego or stubbornness or their rightness, um, particularly a man who understands what it means to be in his masculine and lead without being domineering, um, without holding on to control point where it becomes toxic um mm -hmm. and fighting their battles not everything has to be uh like a game of thrones scene or world war ii or you know is everything worth talking off about um and you know having a man that isn't his he's isn't so deeply triggered by conflict because there are examples of men out there who, when it comes to conflict, they internalize it as something's wrong with me. I'm not good at this. She's going to reject me. So let me withdraw myself because I don't know how to do, deal with it. And that's normally a man with an avoidant attachment style. Uh, exactly. Like they deactivate and you may get a cold version of themselves that, um, you know, it was really interesting, like doing the research in this, like the deactivation, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have experienced at least once with an avoidant attachment person. Um, like neurologically what happens and what's so scary for the other person receiving that is the part of the brain which is connected to memory and and attachment etc gets completely switched off so the person speaking to you and interacting with you is almost like a, a dead person like someone who's not done all those beautiful things with you only just last week or maybe the night before and it's it's very troubling and just destabilizing if you are not grounded in yourself, um, you know, and can work, at least do your part to work through that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely don't believe in holding on to conflict for so long. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's correct. Um, because it, again, erodes the intimacy and the trust of the relationship if it's just taken so long. Um, and for anyone experiencing, or well, I guess, yeah, experiencing it now, um, where you're being stonewalled um it's not mm -hmm. always deliberately abusive but it still feels it's hurtful still um yeah. and you know my advice with that is when that person does reactivate in their own time is you have to put boundaries in place um mm -hmm. and if your boundary is rejected then that is just a token of the fact that you know that person may or may not be the right person to have a healthy relationship dynamic with because <laughs> Yeah. your feelings are valid you know and and the they have to understand that their actions impact you um as much as you would be aware of that as well yeah and a, lo a lot of i mean a lot of the women i talk to in the show are like me have had whether you know whether it is sexual abuse or physical abuse financial abuse there's always some form of narcissistic relationship that we found mm. ourselves in exactly. and the avoidant attachment and the narcissist seem very very similar Mm -hmm. However, 
A narcissist actually is intentionally doing it and an avoidant is just in a protection space. Yes. You can actually repair with someone who's avoidant. And you're right. It takes mm -hmm. boundaries. It takes communication. It takes understanding that, yeah. um, that, that, why are you doing this? Are you really, are you trying to gaslight me here? Are you trying to stonewall me? Are you trying to be silent? Is this a, is this a punishment? Oh, wait, I get it. And yeah, that, that piece where you can come back to it. Yes back together um, and I think as well like you know um you may love someone like a lot um but you have the decision you know like if you even with an avoidant attachment style person even if it's not on purpose you still have the decision to make and ask yourself is this the kind of dynamic that is going to sustain my soul yep. and if that's no that's okay yeah. you know you can you yes. can move on yeah. And I, I love that, that it is okay. And I think especially for those of us who've come from abusive backgrounds, because we tend mm -hmm. to be the codependent people pleasing, and that's just our natural, we fall back into that. And that's always yeah. our work is to go, mm? do I have to, mm? it, is this really healthy for me? Is this really helping okay. me? But being honest with yourself about, okay, this is what this person does. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes actually, you know, I, I find this in, in my relationship now that sometimes it's literally just, let's give it time. I don't have mm. to make a decision today. Yeah. If it's showing up in the same way and there's no change and there's no growth and I keep putting the boundary and I keep, you know, and, and there's just, mm, that's just how they are and they're not willing to work on it. That's okay. That's where they are. I love you and that's not okay for me. And yeah. I just. Yeah. And that's, it is okay to walk away from even healthy relationships. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's never easy to walk away from a relationship. Um, but I yeah. think that's, that's an important piece to remember is even after you get out of the abusive ones, even after you find healthy, that doesn't mean you have to stay just because it's healthier than where you were. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And don't let society bully you um, when it comes to that, um, you know, or make you feel guilty or anything like that. Um, the the whole point of the teachings that I do, or I should say men, well, guidance, let's say guidance um, that I give clients is just, you're supposed to thrive, you know, you are supposed to thrive. And um, the most valuable lesson you will learn is being comfortable and being confident in your decisions, because no one is going to know you like you, you can explain it a thousand times and no one is really going to understand. Um, but as long as it feels like in line with who you are and where you're going, that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that it's, it doesn't, you owe nobody an explanation, no, you know, no. don't, I, you know, I, I use the example of, I cut my family off because my mother's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. We're not going to mm -hmm. talk about that, but let's just mm -hmm. say that's, you know, cut them all off because I yeah. realized cutting her off wasn't enough because she was using them to continue mm. the cycle. And I went, you know, and they try and they, my family tries and guilts me by saying, you've cut your family off from your son and that's not fair. My son's 14. Yeah. And I say, you know what? And I don't even tell them this. Like, I don't owe them an explanation. I'm like, yeah, I, I give them silence. That is my reply to them. Yeah. I've had people go, oh, no, you, if they're reaching out. No, I do not owe them an explanation because the truth is, is my son's making that choice. Exactly. I mean, 
every time they reach out and I'm like, Hey, they want to talk to you. He's like, okay. He has his own phone. He can reach out to them if he wanted to. He chooses not to. And not because I'm forcing him to, because he's had his own experiences with them. He's in his own healing and goes, "Mm." and they try and guilt me through him. And I go, "Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't owe you an explanation as to why I'm doing what you're doing. You can ask questions. Exactly. And it, it looks like we're actually going to start repairing a relationship, not these guilt trips, not, um, you know, that type of thing. Then, okay, I'm, I'm willing to do that. But until yeah. I see that, no. Good for you. Such good mothering, honestly. And you've given him the autonomy as well to have his own relationship with them. And, and they've proven themselves because... You know, that's quite a hard characteristic to break if you've got a narcissistic, heavy narcissistic trait. So they've revealed yeah. themselves already. Mm-hmm. They have. And and he, yeah. I mean, he sees it faster than I did only because he got into, you know, he, he was 10 when we left his father. So, and yeah. then I immediately started getting him into therapy and, you know, help and, oh and healing. God, and then so I'm healing too. And I think that's another important piece that we don't talk about is as we heal ourselves, we actually heal others, even if we're in relationship with them still or not. The healing actually is far, far re- more reaching than just ourselves. Yes. Um, yeah. If kids are involved, but even not, you know, there's friends that I'm no longer friends with that I wish them nothing but the best because at the time they helped me yes. in whatever way. Would I go back yeah. to those relationships? No, they're not healthy for me now. Exactly. We served and we served each other at the time. Exactly. So that's so always so I always ask, I don't always ask, but this question popped in my brain and I'm just curious because we are Perfect. talking a lot about love and, um, you know, that all stems from, from loving oneself. So mm-hmm. things that you do in your current space of healing, cause I know it's been mm-hmm. a little over 10 years moving forward in the, the more than a decade, but are there things yeah. that you do that are just like not negotiable? This is just part of my self-care, my self-love routine. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's not every day, um, because I think it's important that other people hear, no, like this is how we actually love ourselves because this is a piece we don't talk about much either. Yeah. So, um, so last year, actually, I had an emergency surgery um, for, uh, it was like a bowel surgery thing. It was crazy. I won't get into that, but that was an experience. Um, and um, that actually, you know, I felt like I already had a self-love ritual, but it amplified it even more. Um, and so as part of the healing that I was already done, plus all the, the new insights I got from the surgery, journaling is just so, so important. I know it sounds really cliche, but it's excellent. But not only journaling from the, the traditional, you know, writing things down, but also particularly, you know, if you are someone who's had trauma in your childhood, um, a lot of us, it's so sad. A lot of us can't sing. Or if you can sing, you can really sing. I feel like there's no middle, but I'm one of the ones that can't sing, unfortunately. And I feel like that's a wounding that happens on a physical level when Mm -hmm. you are someone who's experienced um, some sort of trauma because your truth was stuck, right? Your truth is that she's stuck in your throat for so long. Um, And so um, maybe some of you can resonate as well, like getting my words out and articulating things. It took many years to do that. It took, there was no way 10 years ago, if someone was like, get on a podcast, I'd be like, what the fuck? No, I'm not doing that. I'm like, so embarrassing. I can't speak. And, but, um, leaving voice memos for yourself, whether they're love notes, whether they're just venting, you will notice the shift. It's quicker than journaling. Because journaling doesn't get the, it doesn't move the energy out. Like you need to actually 
process it and shout or sing or yell. So that's something I do. Um, and that's why I've got more memory on my iPhone now. That was, they were like, do you want this package of that? I was like, give me as much memory as you can. Cause I talk yeah, to myself regularly. Thing. I, I need all of it. I need, no, that is, it is so interesting that you said that because I struggle with the written word. That was actually part of my abuse as a childhood. My written word would be used against me. So um, in 2020, when I started my healing journey and Zoom became like prevalent, I don't keep them because like, again, they used to be like hours long. I would sit and just say it, whatever came up, whatever, and just speak it. I actually do sing. Um, so music for me is oh. huge. Like singing See? lyrics. Yeah. yeah. I think you're so okay or you're not like basically not that. <laughs> yes or no. It's true. Uh, but you're so right. There is power in using our, our, I mean, our throat shocker, if you f believe in that, but it doesn't matter. There's actually physical science that shows there's a lot of energy that gets stored in our voice when we go mm. silent. Yes. And just saying it, there's so many things that I like. Um, my husband and I are in therapy together right now, only be as a, as a tool, not because there's anything yeah. wrong. We were just like, it would be really good for us to do this. And I sat there the other day and I was like, I lost my voice again. And she goes, what? I said, this happens. This is part of how I know I'm triggered. I lost my voice. Mm -hmm. I will wait until I find my words. And that's just one of those things that it's so powerful. And I love the voice memo things. And save yeah. them, don't save them. Like some people are like, oh, I can get it out. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We listen if you want to do that, but it's just super powerful. Yes. Uh, to speak it. It's, it's, and it's yours, you know, it's something private mm -hmm. and you don't need to share with anyone, but it does move the energy. And also, you know, this is less of a, I guess it's not like a ritual, but I guess it's another one of those mindset things, but it's the reparenting um, of yourself, you know, because, you know, I have a much better relationship with my mother than I did. Um, but I understand through reparenting myself and when I say reparenting, it means filling in the gap where my mother will never be able to fill because she is who she is. That's yep. really yep. helped. Um, yep. So, you know, there may be times where emotionally you really need her. And because she's only got a capacity up to, like, let's say, five out of 10, yep. you've got to supply yourself with that other five. Um, yep. With a father wound, you know, the abandonment wound, when that's triggered, you've got to jump in and be your own father. Yep. Um, and, and some people feel like that's a bit of a sad thing, but actually it's so empowering because no one can take that away from you. You can be the most ethereal version of the mother or father you're never going to get and still show up as this person who can sit in a healthy relationship, can have a big capacity for love. Because if you're expecting someone else to fill in that 50% or whatever percent, it, it's not going to work. It's not going to yeah. work because everyone has their own shit. Like everybody um, and your your stories are your stories to look after, you know. Love that. That's a really beautiful place to to come to a close. So mm -hmm. as we come to the end of our time here, I always ask my guests share with the audience if they really want to get connected with you, and speak with you or get more from you. What's a good way for them to do that right now? Right. So I live almost everywhere. I think what would be great is if the audience booked a soulmate strategy call. So we've kind of dipped around like all the different healing parts and how I implement that with clients. Um, but the soulmate strategy call is really everything that we've been talking about in terms of what your blockers are. And we can really have a chat about what's happened so far and what's not working, what is. Um, and just see if I can support you in any way, because I love to support particularly women. But as I said, I'm 
open to men as well. Mm -hmm. But I love to help people move across in this journey. It doesn't have to take you over a decade. Um, and love is very simple, actually. It's not as hard as it's been portrayed in society or as you may have seen growing up. It's very simple, but you do need a plan. You do need a strategy and you need the right mindset. So I'd love to catch up and have a chat. So in order to book that, you can find me on my website. So my web um, you can also find the same link for the Soulmate Strategy Call on my Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere. So on TikTok, all I'm I all the things. Um, TikTok, I'm I am Rachel dot. No, I'm um, TikTok. I'm I am Rachel Rose. I Instagram. I am Rachel dot Rose. YouTube. I am Rachel Rose. And Facebook. Rachel Rose online. Easy enough. Those links are all going to be down below for anybody who wants to click whatever your favorite way to connect is. I know we all have yeah. our preference. Yes. Get connected. Yeah. So just pick a way and get Rachel. Rachel, thank you for spending thank time you. sharing your energy with me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure. I had so much fun. Thank you. Yes. To the audience who joined us, thank you. As always, I'm wishing you peace, love, and flow. And may your flow be ever rising. Until next time.